Hello and welcome to the Creativity Conference's official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode. I am the assistant manager here at the Creativity Conference and very excited to be hosting this podcast with some world-class creative minds discussing all aspects of creativity. I'm here today with Tamika Lamerson, who is a true multi-hyphenate, uh, an <laughs> award-winning filmmaker, activist, writer, and founder of the nonprofit Make a Film Foundation. Tamika, how, how are you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. You said world-class. I feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> But that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure I must be amongst amazing company. So thank you. <laughs> you delivered a wonderful uh, joint presentation with Adam Leipzig back in August 2021, hosted by the wonderful Maeve. Um, how did you find the conference? Did you manage to attend any other sessions? Uh, I didn't get to attend any of the sessions, but you know what I did do? I did get to listen to some of your podcasts and with some of the guests, and it was really amazing. I, I enjoyed them so much. I listened to Mark Simon and yes. is it Elizabeth Blake? Thomas, yes. Blake Thomas, yes, yes. They were so good. I really and I was like, wow, I wish I had actually gone to their sessions at the <laughs> conference as well. But they were really, really good. So um you know, I look forward to uh, to the future conference and um, actually doing that with Adam really inspired us to do a podcast together ourselves. So we kicked off our own podcast. But um, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you two really uh, had had a good uh, rapport in that session. It was a really fun, fun one to, to dip into. Thank and you. Yeah, their sessions, Elizabeth and uh, Mark's, I mean, all of them were recorded. So you can dip back and, and view them on demand if you so desire. They, yeah, they did some oh, wonderful nice. sessions. I as... definitely will do that because they were great. <laughs> so um, I mentioned it when I was introducing you that you're, uh, you describe yourself as a multi-hyphenate, which was something discussed in that talk with Adam. Um, why, why do you think that being a multi-hyphenate, having so many different aspects to your career under this one umbrella um, is something that's become so ubiquitous in the modern world. Um, what, what, what has made that shift, do you think? And is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I've always been a multi-hyphenate, but it has not always been so, I guess, accepted. Like, I feel like now people really understand that we're all creatives. We're just content creators. We're um, entertainment professionals. There's so many different names for the umbrella of all the different things that we do. And um, it's almost like you, in order to remain, I hate to say it this way, but in order to remain relevant, that's one way to say it. Another way to say it is to just have a thriving career. It's <laughs> to uh, just keep yourself um, immersed in every aspect that you can possibly be immersed in and to continue to um, not just in reinvent yourself, but to continue to play in the waters of all the things that you could possibly be interested in that are connected in any way, shape or form to what you do. And um, I think that's just, I think that's just a great thing. It keeps it exciting for you, for other people. It's, um, it keeps you growing, expanding. Um, at least it does for me. And, um, you know, even when I write, uh, I used to, when I would write, I would be writing different things. Um, like my very, I'll give you an example. My very first script that I wrote long ago, it was called The Jar by the Door. It was my first uh, screenplay. 
And I, I wrote it very, I guess, maybe not atypically because I had never written a screenplay before. So I basically just stream of consciousness wrote what the story would be. It was almost like writing a short story for 10 pages. And then I went, I just wrote the whole thing. I should just dive in and write the script. But what was interesting about that process for me is because it was very vignette -y. It was uh, very vignette -y. So I was able to jump from one thing, one story to another story when I almost thought it was getting boring. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel like that's kind of how it is in my career. You know, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm so, and then I'm directing and then I'm doing this. So it just never gets boring. And I feel like, you know, we kind of do that a lot in our lives. <laughs> Not yeah, with relationships though. No. <laughs> That's an important caveat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it keeps it keeps life interesting. It, it makes it makes uh, being a creative not that it ever really was a particularly dull industry right. to be part of, but it really does. <laughs> it keeps the cogs turning, and yes. uh, it it makes every day interesting, which is exactly right. Which is that's the whole point, isn't it? Is that you want to get up in the morning and be excited. It is. I love to see um, actors and writers expanding what they do. You know, I love. I actually really love to see actors starting to direct or see their name. You know, writing something or whatever. I just love to see all the see us really kind of, you know, exploring all these different things and challenging ourselves. Well, that is kind of what you did in a way, because you 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 started out when you were growing up wanting to be an actor. If I have that correct, you, yes. You you studied performing arts at mm -hmm. university but then you shifted towards sort of the filmmaking side of things being behind the camera and the directing and the writing what was it that made you decide to make that transition so that's interesting i was um yes uh i went to a school for acting but i was always writing writing actually was was first and then came the acting i would always write like these really terrible rhyming couplets when I was a kid. <laughs> like Really bad ones. Like, uh, I loved you when we met. You loved me just as much, but then you wouldn't left. Oh, how I missed your touch. You wanted me to stay. I thought you wanted to. Uh, I didn't know what to say. How could you be untrue? Now I sit and cry. What is it? Oh, oh, what, oh I, what is it? Something about when you left, there has to be a reason. Now I sit and cry a tear for every season. That's like one of the first little rhyming couplets. I That's why I remember it so well as a kid. But, but I started writing stuff like that and then short stories. So I was always writing and then it sort of blossomed into acting. Um, when I did a community theater audition with my brother for The Wiz, I was a terrible singer. <laughs> That's why I didn't get the part. But I totally got bit. The acting bug bit me and, and the rest is history. But um, yeah, so it was like always writing. And uh, with acting, I guess I transitioned. I'll say I transitioned behind the scenes to producing and directing when I moved to Los Angeles. And Los Angeles and New York are two very different sort of beasts when it comes to acting. Um, you know, New York is mostly theater and it's a whole different thing. They're really focused on the work. Like you could literally not look like what they wanted you to look like and walk into the room in, in New York and wow them and get the part. Not so much in California and LA. It's like, it's you gotta look the part first and still wow them, right? So I just, I just felt more drawn to creating 
product. I felt like there was more power when I got to Los Angeles in creating work by writing and producing and directing and I and, and different kinds of work, like the kind of material that I wanted to see in the world and that I even wanted to audition for as an actor wasn't really available then. Um, you know, it was kind of limited. I mean, it's amazing now. It's like this incredible renaissance for uh, movies and television shows that have diversity in it and different storylines and uh, layered stories and uh, characters that have a lot of um, depth and it's it's amazing. So, but it wasn't really like that when I first jumped into the pool when I got here. So I felt like I had to sort of create that myself. Yeah, and you mentioned your brother uh, a minute ago. Your your brother Cleve is who's also a a, a part of the film industry. He's he's he an is. actor. So, what what was it like growing up together? Were you sort of <laughs> writing for each other, bouncing ideas off each other, and uh, sort of and and doing things like that when you were a kid, or did your passions for the film tv industry developed later in life no we were always is so that's so funny that you asked that question really how it actually began once upon a time my dad actually gave us you know the old school recorders where you have the tape um and you mm -hmm. put it in there and press record so he gave us one of those um he pretended to be santa claus and was like oh, oh, oh you know i'm leaving you this or whatever and so we fell in love with that and we used it as a tool to retell all of the sort of bedtime stories like um, Jack and the Beanstalk and uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears and all of that stuff. So we did all of these different, uh, but we did them with our own voices. So we did all the different voices. Sometimes we would invite some of our neighborhood kids to come and they'd be some of the voices, but it was almost like we were producing the whole thing, but it was... Uh, it was like, you know, our own uh, voice sort of theater. And that's really how we uh, sort of got into it. And we did a lot of that stuff and um, left our own devices. We would do it, um, you know, uh, not just in the recorder, but we do our own little theater shows amongst ourselves as kids, too. So, yeah, we've been doing right. that for a while. He actually is a not just an actor. He's a uh, a writer and a director. We've we've done a show together. Um, we both wrote on a television show called Monogamy, and we've written uh, features together. And um, but he sort of uh, moved on into writing novels. Now he writes these mm. amazing world building novels, <laughs> so he can wow. be completely in control of the world. <laughs> well, being being a multi hyphenate certainly runs in the the Lamison family. It seems. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so speaking of writing, um, what did you learn, what did you glean creatively from your time working on the, the Writer Fellowship Program at Disney? So that was fantastic. It was a really great um, sort of, I guess they threw you into the whole world of studio writing, right? So I never really, when I first got there, I didn't understand the whole concept of uh, writing outline, like outlining your work. It's just not how I did it. As you can see, you know, what I, the way that I did it the first time was just stream of consciousness and then jump in and writing. And so it was a little counterintuitive for me 
to write an outline and then write the script. And um, and I know all writers have different um, ways of doing things. They have a different process, but it was really good. No matter what your process is, I feel like it's really good to learn structure and to learn how the studio system does it. So I really appreciated that. Um, and they also, uh, I was able, I went in on the feature side, but they allowed me to write television scripts as well. So I wrote a half hour comedy and I wrote uh, a, uh, one hour drama at the time, I think the practice was on. So I did a practice and uh, my wife and kids, I don't know if this reference will <laughs> make sense to everybody um, <laughs> who's not in America, but um, those were the shows that were on TV at the time. And what was crazy was I wrote the scripts and then I pitched it to, um, I, so I wrote the scripts and then I wrote the outline. So I actually, because they, I still had to give them an outline. They didn't know that I had written the script, but for me, it was an easier thing to just write the script. And I said, this is so crazy. They want this outline. So I wrote the scripts. I gave them the outline. I let them tweak the outline. And then I just tweaked my script based on <laughs> the notes that I got. Genius. Genius. <laughs> it was so great. It was like no pressure because the script was already written. That's that is yeah you've you've hacked the system there that's you just uh, got to make it work the way you can right <laughs> yeah do you find um free writing to be a useful uh, way to sort of unleash any creative juices that you potentially have pent up I do I I definitely believe although I am not a writer who writes every day I actually used to I used to write in my journal every day I'm not a writer who writes every day but I really admire writers who write every day and I actually um I I give that advice if you can you know write every day it doesn't have to be anything deep and it doesn't have to and don't edit it's just something to get your juices flowing you know, even if it's your journal, write a poem, write a haiku, just write something every day. So um, I definitely think that's great. It's it's um, it helps keeps your uh, your fingers, your mind, your everything sort of in that space, especially if that's your main focus, if writing is your mm -hmm. main focus. Since I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things, so it's a little challenging to uh, write every day, have that be my main focus. I'm just doing so many things. But um, if writing was my uh, my thing, my uh, raison d'etre, <laughs> and that was the only thing I was doing, I would write every day for sure. I would. So yeah, you, you are working on a lot of things, being a multi-hyphenate. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is uh, Filmco. So tell me more about Filmco. What what is what is it all about? So Filmco, um, uh, so I'm the SVP of development and production at Filmco, and it's spelled P-H-I-L-M-C-O deliberately misspelled, sort of a combination of philanthropy and film. We have a double bottom line of art advocacy and commerce. And uh, so we create a lot of material that has some sort of uh, Im impact or social, it's socially relevant in some way, not cause films, but, but, you can sort of find that in them somewhere. And so um, I'm super excited to be a part of uh, a company that's doing such great work. And um, I sort of came on board because uh, uh, Peter Samuelson, who's a, a wonderful producer, and but, but more than that, he's an incredible uh, philanthropist himself. He's created many nonprofits. That's actually how I met him. 
Um, my nonprofit, Make a Film Foundation, partnered with the one that he co-created, Starlight Children's Foundation, and we gave him a humanitarian award, and then we became fast friends, and we started supporting each other's endeavors, uh, both uh, uh, philanthropic endeavors as well as film endeavors. And then when he told me he was creating this company, co-creating this company, and he wanted me to be a part of it, I was an immediate yes. And uh, we have some amazing things going on. Um, and we've sold some television projects. We're developing a lot of TV and film documentaries. Um, I produced a documentary called Ferguson Rises about um, the Mike Brown incident that happened in uh, St. Louis, uh, in Ferguson, really, uh, um, a few years back, uh, where Mike Brown was killed by a, a, a police officer and um, under controversial circumstances. So I produced a documentary, it won the Audience Award at Tribeca, but I produced it through Filmco. So we do things like that and we do, you know, other, you know, fun stuff too. <laughs> that has, you know, that's socially relevant in some way, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned the Maker Film Foundation. Let's dwell on that for, for just a moment here because that's a huge part of, of what you do. Yes. Um, what what why is this sort of participatory video style of enabling these kids to make their own short films so important um, for them and for you? So what I realized, um, I, I'll just say I wanted to create this because for me, telling my story was such a big deal. And, and a lot of the people that I know, it, it made such a huge difference in my life, with my confidence, with me feeling uh, like I could share my voice, be seen, be heard. Um, and, and I've seen that with other people in my world as well. So I felt like um, this unique population of kids who are often just seen through the lens of their disease, I, I thought this might be something that would be really beneficial and therapeutic for them. So, um, so I created this, uh, this organization and, um, I was always inspired by the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which led to the Make-A-Film Foundation because I felt like, um, really a friend asked me if I could do anything, what would I do? And I said, aside from filmmaking, I grant wishes to the kids in the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So I felt like I could combine those two things and thus Make-A-Film Foundation was born. And what I, what I learned by see, you know, watching these kids create these incredible projects is it literally, it does have healing properties, um, not just for them and, and, and their family, but for the people who participate because everybody donates their time. All of the, um, the A-list actors and directors and writers, they all, it's sort of was like everything becomes favored nations because we all understand what we're doing. Um, if I could just tell you one little story about um, a kid, his name is Anthony Conti, and he wanted to do a uh, 16 year old, he had stage four cancer and very, very limited time to live, a couple of months. And so typically um, we wouldn't do something like that because of the timing and we have to get everything together so fast. But after talking to him, we were like, we have to do this for this kid. So um, we said, yes, he wanted to do a zombie film. Um, and the amount of people who said yes and came on board to do his film is just, even when I think about it right now, I think about how much magic it is. It was like alchemy. I'm like, 
Anthony, you're an alchemist. You, you know, you said what you wanted. We said yes. And then the universe pulled a lever and all good things happened. <laughs> yeah, like um, uh, people like J.K. Simmons and Johnny Depp and Laura Dern and even uh, um, uh, oh, David Lynch did a little cameo along with Laura Dern. So many great people and incredible directors. Like uh, we had three because it was five days. We typically only do a two day shoot. But because he had such a amazing big idea, we needed five days of shooting. So we got Sam Raimi and Catherine Hardwick and Ted Melfi, who uh, did Hidden Figures. It was just incredible. But what I want to say about Anthony is he, after we did his film, his health sort of, you know, it was increasingly, you know, getting worse and worse, even on the set everyone saw what was happening. I, there's no other way to say it other than that he was dying before our eyes, even as he was creating his dream film. At one point, he couldn't stand any longer. And it was this, this optimal scene where he was saying goodbye to the girl that he'd fallen in love with. And he said, I, I don't want to be in a wheelchair or I want to be standing when I do this. So we had to stop everything on the set and the um, gaffers and everybody had to build a contraption to make it look like he was standing during this scene. But the crazy part was when this happened, it's like everyone on the set knew what we were doing. We all just <sighs> took it in and we knew that we were basically giving this kid his last wish. And um, shortly after that, um, you know, he, his, his health declined. He did get to see his film. We did a big screening. We did two, one at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, one in his room for his uh, family, friends, and nurses and doctors. And um, he, when he went into a coma, the week that he went into a coma, he woke up one time and he woke up and he started talking about his film. Literally, he called one of our producers. It was so crazy. Started talking about his film and then went back into a coma and that was the only time that he woke up. So it's like stories like that, it's like we know that we are doing what we're supposed to do. And it's like, you know, bittersweet, but we know what we're doing, that, that that's a purpose, there's a purpose for that. That's that's so powerful and it must be so rewarding for you, but also so emotionally challenging to, to deal with all of this um on a day, -to -day it is. basis it is but every i every time i see anthony's film or one of these other kids films i know it's like they're with us it's like this is why we do this because their legacy film is here their family can see it anytime i can see it anytime and every time i see it i just go oh my god there's anthony that's anthony right there <laughs> so i feel like he's still with us and i feel like that was the purpose of the whole thing and it, encapsula <clears throat> it encapsulates more than just their physical image on the screen because it's it's they wrote the script so yes. it's, it's, you can see the inside of of their brains which is their spirit something, yeah exactly yeah which is hugely powerful mm-hmm and yeah I, I I what what is the the sort of the goal over the next few years with the foundation where do where do you see it going so I'd like to we uh we had. Um, one international film, we did a couple of documentaries in Nepal, but I would mm -hmm. like to see it expand because I feel like this could, this could be 
everywhere and anywhere. So sort of like make a wish, which is my my model, because I love make a wish. I would everywhere. love for it to, yeah, to grow and expand. And and um, I guess I'll also say it this way. I'd like for me, the exec director, right? The person who created it to, to be rendered irrelevant. Like, you know, right now, if I got hit by a bus, I'm not sure that it would survive and I needed to survive. So I, I want I want it to continue to grow so that, you know, it's about the thing and not, you know, I don't have to in any way be, but I want to, I'm just saying, you know, it's not like I don't want, I love it. Yes, yeah. yes. But, we, you know, at some point, you know, it the, the baton needs to be passed and it needs to be its own thing. Hmm. So uh, of all the projects that you've worked on, of which there are a lot, <laughs> as we have just briefly touched upon so far, um, are there any in particular that are sort of lesser known about or underappreciated that you have a particular soft spot for and sort of wish more people knew about? So I can't, obviously I can't include the Make a Film Foundation movies because they are the they're the bright spot in my whole career. All of those are amazing. Um, yes. Those short narrative films. We have documentaries as well, but those short narrative films are the thing. But um, independently, um, I did do a film independently called Last Life. And it was, mm -hmm. uh, I produced it and I actually starred in it. And it was written and directed by Michael Philip Edwards, um, a Jamaican filmmaker. And that was in that film i feel like was underappreciated it did the festival circuit and it actually could be found on um tubi tv which you can get for free so if you ever want to check out last life on tubi tv give it a look um but i feel like that film was underappreciated because it was it's about um it's about past lives last lives healing um it's got like a, an interesting racial component to it so i feel like it's super relevant and also profound mm. <laughs> so yes it's also a love story so who doesn't like love stories yeah they they make great films yes <laughs> love stories over many different uh lifetimes by the way so yeah yes. there's that so yeah um we're closing in on the end of our time. So I've got a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, how did you find that the pandemic and uh, lockdown impacted your workflow and your creativity in general? Did you find that you were creatively stifled in some ways or creatively enabled in other ways that you perhaps weren't anticipating? Um, it was actually pretty, pretty incredible for me because I was able to balance out uh, I'll just say I was able to create a balance in uh, like having a different kind of peace in my life. Like I found, uh, I found my peace by biking and listening to my playlist. And at the same time, that would allow me to um, be excited about writing or be excited about uh, development or whatever I had to do with the company. And development didn't stop. There was a ton of development going on during uh, uh, COVID because reading scripts and creating projects in that way, you could do that. If nothing else, you could definitely do that. So um, I was actually really inspired and I felt like I was kind of thriving creatively um, during that time. And I, I wrote for a, a, a television show at that point. And, um, and I was uh, definitely 
strategizing and putting together the pieces of development for other projects. And I was able to actually get cast attached a little bit easier because they could read. They were, they didn't have anything to do. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, I'll read it. One of the uh, uh, major directors that I reached out to, she was like, I said, I want you to read this. I think it's great for you. And um, she said, I'll read it this weekend. But you know, no one ever reads it. They, they don't, they say that, but it never happens. She did. And then the, like two days later, she's like, oh, I read it. I loved it. And I would love to do it. And I was shocked. <laughs> Because nobody does that. I don't even do that. I try, but I like I'll get. Please, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'll get to it in two days, and it'll like three days later, maybe four days, maybe a week. <laughs> try. Yeah, so, the, yeah, the power of the pandemic to have people have more time. Have more time, and also, I, I people were more receptive. Maybe they were in a certain peaceful place as well. They were enjoying. Uh, a space that because of, I'll call it the rat race, you know, always doing something, always busy, always somewhere to go. We were not able to be in that space. So we had to sort of find some other graceful, peaceful place to be in. And, um, and I think that was good. And I hope we were able to maintain some of that. Is speaking of, of graceful outlets, what are some uh, things that you do other than ride your bike and listen to podcasts outside of your career? that help keep you creatively fulfilled? Well, I definitely love to travel. I think it's super important to sort of uh, find other lands to explore, meet other uh, people, eat different foods, uh, explore different terrain. Even short trips, I think, are really good. So I definitely love to travel. Um, I, I read or uh, listen to books on tape. And, um, you know, a lot of this is so weird because when you say, you know, I love movies and stuff like that, it's just part of what I do. But I think that's really interesting to be passionate about what I do and for it to sometimes be part of my my piece as well. I, I actually really love to to have meals with my friends where we get to talk about all kinds of things, like talk about the world, talk about politics, talk about uh, spirituality, just have really intense conversation with my family and friends. I love doing stuff like that. And, um, and I actually got into cooking a little bit. That can be very creative. Cooking. Yes. Yes. Um, which I never thought I would do, but because <laughs> I, but I think it's time in my brain. I always think I don't have time to cook, but because of the pandemic, I did have time to cook. So yes. now I'm cooking a little bit more. I'm I'm the same. I did far more cooking than I've ever done before in lockdown. <laughs> Just because Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. More time at home. Yeah. Yeah. So just touching on Iceland briefly, um, obviously it's gonna be amazing this August. Yes. And um have you been to Iceland before? What are you particularly looking forward to? I have never been to Iceland and um I I'm really just looking forward to the the landscape. Um, mm. because it's going to be something different than I've ever experienced before. I actually just talked to a director from uh, this program, this diversity program that I run, the Commercial Directors Diversity Program. And he told me that he shot a commercial in Iceland because I told him I was going and he's going to tell me all the great places to go to. <laughs> so, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
it's it's truly unique in terms of landscapes i was blown away the first time i went because it's it's like nowhere else on earth it looks like an alien planet just mm. <laughs> in terms of the the topography of things it's it's incredible i feel like i should figure out a way to shoot a little something while i'm there <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, bring a camera, bring a drone, just get anything. Just, yeah, it's 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 insane. And Reykjavik is such a beautiful city as well in terms of just the the buildings, the people, mm. uh, culture. It's really fantastic. And some well, of the venues that we have booked are pretty remarkable. Obviously, I'm going to have to extend my trip beyond just oh, yes. the four days of the conference. So <laughs> I'm making sure to do that. By the way. Yeah, oh yes, definitely. Highly recommend. Um, one final question before okay. we wrap up. I, I ask every speaker that I've, I've interviewed on the podcast this so far, as mm -hmm. you will have heard with Elizabeth and Mark, and it's it's a fairly open-ended one. Uh, it's easy for me to ask and potentially fairly challenging to answer because it's so broad and open-ended, but it's what does creativity mean to you as uh, someone in the creative industry? Hmm. That's so interesting because you can be creative in any aspect of your life. Um, yeah. I think that creativity is just sort of, hmm. I, I, I guess I would say that creativity is, is finding ways to make something interesting and look at something in a way that you never that you maybe didn't think you were gonna uh, look at it. You sort of making something, expanding your vision of something. Maybe that's how I look at it because we, that's what I would do if I if I related to cooking. I'm expanding my vision of something, or even if I'm uh, writing, it's like expanding my vision of whatever that kernel of the idea was. Um, yeah, even if I'm looking to figure out a, a a specific, unique kind of gift for someone, it's like expanding my vision of what it is that I thought I wanted to give for them. So I think creativity—that's what I would say—expanding your vision of um, of of something, anything, whatever that is. Well, well, well said. <laughs> you have to say that. You're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, very eloquently put. I mean. Everybody has a completely different answer to that question. And it's really interesting hearing how different people respond because uh, it means it means so much to so many people in so many different ways. I mean, to some people, creativity yes. is their, you know, it's their entire existence. It's how they put food on the table. It's how they mm -hmm. live their lives. Um, whereas some people, it's, it's much more, um, much less profound and much less integral to their very existence, but it still is yeah. a, a big part of their lives. So yeah, it's it's a very as I say, it's a very open question and can be answered in, <laughs> in a million different ways. Yes, I I do see it that way though. I mean, I you know try w when trying to answer the question without using the definition within the question, <laughs> I you know I I I think of it that way because I can see that as my whole life expansion. You know. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, that's that's all we have time for today. And uh, as as you can see, I well, as you can see, I can't because I'm <laughs> I just disappeared off the face of the earth. As I can see, I can't see you. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time, Tamika. It's thank been you, absolutely Aiden. wonderful to have you on the podcast. And it's I been cannot my pleasure. 
wait to see you in Iceland and uh, to see people who are listening in Iceland as attendees. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic. Time. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. <laughs>